anyone born in the wrong timeline? Does it affect timelines down and backstream? Yes. Yes, and that's why we're at the jumbled mess that we are right now. Oh. And to fix it, a lot of things had to be done to this timeline, both good, bad, evil, neutral, indifferent. Everything had to be done to fix the grand mistakes. Wow. So this is kind of the end game as you describe it. Yes. Between 2012 and 2054 is the end game. Ooh. And what does 2054 look like here? I'll tell you. Wow. Wow. to another episode of Awaken Now What? We're here with our season three premiere. I'm your host, Helen. And I'm your host, JR. This is a podcast that illuminates your spiritual awakening and ascension. We are kicking season three off with a bang. It is my pleasure to introduce the galactic historian, Mr. Andrew Barson. Hello, everybody. <laughs> how y'all doing today? Good. How are you? Doing wonderful. We got snow going here in the Northeast, and uh, it was 60 degrees yesterday and 31 degrees today. Oh, oh my wow. goodness. That's the problem. Yeah. And I thought I was cold. <laughs> it's 50 <laughs> 60 degrees here. So today will be an in-depth discussion on some of the content in your book, The Galactic Historian, The World According to Andrew Bartz. It's by you and Bruce McDonald. However, before we get into the book, uh, you are known and uh, very popular in some spiritual circles. Uh, but for our listeners who aren't familiar with you or your material, do you mind going over that sure. experience when you were nine years old? So my name is Andrew Bartzis, I'm titled The Galactic Historian. Now, people want to know what does that mean? That means I was uh, exposed to the Akashic Records at a very young age. When I was nine years old, I was at a baseball game and uh, it was a professional game, Cleveland Indians. And there was a bottom of the ninth inning, tied score. Our team hit a home run. Everyone cheers. My life changed at that point. I became aware of everybody in the stadium, 35, 40,000 plus people, everybody listening on radio, everybody listening past, present, and future, everybody within eyesight of the stadium. I knew who they were, what they were, and what they were going to do past, present, and future, 10,000 generations in the past and 10,000 generations in the future wow. at nine years old. And I began, began to be aware that there was a reason I was exposed to this. And there was a period of time where there was counseling on how to live a life and how to plan a life, which began the journey of understanding how the unseen world works, the life planning process, what's the fetus in the womb, how we go to the, in the world of infinite potentials, what the worlds of ancestors are, how shaman, sh shaman works versus sorcery, and what different forms of unique magic still exist in this modern world, and how the modern world has been changed in such ways they've taken us away from natural living and put us in an unnatural living life. And the Galactic Historian is to give you a comparison and contrast of what natural living and unnatural living has degraded to over the last 10,000 years of our world being hidden from the truths. Wow. 
Uh, just out of curiosity, how did your family deal with oh, your no. gifts? Couldn't. Couldn't. Okay. It still can't to this day. Right. There's still on I'm unable to talk about my 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 adventure, my life, my fame at a dinner table. It's it's their how do we call it? Dogmatic Greek Christian beliefs prevent them, right. even though they have a root in science. So I'm either I'm opposed by science or the dogmatic religions. No matter what it is they do. But I also came to accept that, that that was absolutely necessary for my lifetime. Had there mm -hmm. been a validation from that, I would not have gone into it with the courage that I have today. So I accepted that their role was to not do that. Does it hurt right. still? Sure. Is it an ever-going thing of maintaining relationships to them, even though they don't really care what it is I do? Great. But I still maintain relationships with them. Because that's ultimately the sacred neutral way. To each their own, no matter what it is, they need their own space to grow. And I cannot judge or belittle them for it. And with that, it freed me to look. To look and not seek validation from them. Seek right. validation from my own truths. That is amazing. That is that's amazing. beautifully put. And such a great lesson for all of us to learn because there's always that contention with some loved ones. Yes, yes, you know, you know, my mom's 83, my dad's 86. Okay, both of them, you know, in the 60s had a, a good, great education. My dad was electrical engineer and nuclear, nuclear mechanics. My mom was a nurse that did some of the RHNA um, initial research in the 1960s and 70s before she became a housewife. So she was a research. So they have a historical scientific background, too, which makes them challenged and Greek. Greeks know everything. Right. If you know any Greeks out there, it's a cultural <laughs> thing. Okay, <laughs> no matter what. <laughs> Vegas, our be uh, uh, Helen's ex and my best friend, Greek. Oh my gosh, he knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> so the galactic story in the world, according to Andrew Bartz, uh, this started off as a question and answer journey with some of your master students, that resulted in a, a long document. Yep. Uh, how was that process, and did you know that this was this would become a book during that process? Yes. So Bruce had come to me in July of 20, 2020. Yeah, July 2020, and I said, he said, do you want to do a book? I said, I'm too busy right now. But in six months from now, I can, which was just before Christmas 2020. And come, let's say – August or September, I sat down with my mentorship, my former mentorship and some of my current mentorship groups uh, people. And I said, I need to put a manuscript together that can't be short. It can't be 10,000 words and it doesn't need to be finished. It just is my main subject matters that you all like. And we came up with an 80,000 word document and two additional documents that were terms, glossary of terms, my particular terms, and then some of the revocations that I had made. So roughly 120, 130,000 words. And from there, we went from the first draft, the second draft, and the third draft was the final draft book was done in four months. Wow. It's because I, I mean, but Bruce is a great writer. Don't go get me right. wrong. It's right. but when it, even his own words are said, I've never had anyone bring me a complete document like this. And all I had to do was convert it into a book format that was capable for everyone to read and then to do the three act structure and breaking everything down into a thousand plus word sections or a thousand. So it's easy to digest each section. Right. 
Each yeah. chapter seems to be a standalone book on its own. It could be, yes. All right, let's start it off with uh, the questions. So um, I'm going to start off with a, it's my one of my favorite quotes from the book, and it's in, in the beginning part of the book. It's, don't let them tell us it's a matrix, a hologram, or any other impotent, spiritually neutered container. We have full movement of expression here. I love that quote, and it resonated so deeply. Uh, the matrix term is so heavily used to describe this canvas that we're in. It's become such a limiting experience, uh, a term of this experience. Are they trying to get us into an actual matrix? Is that why they're using this terminology? No. Our reality is a matrix at the celestial level. Millions of years ago, technology was created to hack the celestial layer and perceive and understand how souls go from celestial source to solar source, to other celestial source. The soul migration patterns that actually are a commerce market on higher dimensions and densities and dimensions. So everyone here on Earth as a part of a stream of consciousness that arrived here for its main purpose 30-something million years ago. Not everyone arrived at the same time, but the majority of us came in on a galactic streamer that was heading in this direction to found the galactic ascension machine. So it's also, the matrix is also a play on words that we live in a 100% free will universe and a 100% free will galaxy and a 100% free will solar system on a 100% free will planet that has three individual 100% free will timelines. Mm -hmm. Yet you live in a matrix that they've created for you that you do not have 100% free will in any of those layers of perception. Therefore, they've created the free-roaming cage. The cage is your consciousness, what right. it can or can't think about. And that is the matrix and metaphor. That is it. Mm, a metaphor. Right? We live in the natural world with unnatural environments. That's mm. it. Wow. Just hammered it home. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I am curious about the mechanics of the skull having a crystalline structure where our dreams and heart memories are stored. Can you speak more to that? So are you familiar with the thymus? Mm -hmm. So it's commonly known as the high heart. Oh. So when you were first born, you started out as a heart, just a handful of cells. And once the heart got big enough, do you know what the second organ was? What was it? Brain? Nope. Your tongue. Oh, that's right. It's in the book. <laughs> your tongue, and then your thymus, and then your spinal column. Mm -hmm. This is how important our manifestation into reality is, that the second organ after the heart. So those high heart memories you're talking about are stored in a special place in between where the tongue ends in the back of the throat and the high heart, the back of the thymus, which creates a super highway connection from heart to brain, and when we engage that, it's called cerebral heart space awareness. Okay, there's mind awareness, and then there's times we take our mind down into the heart, and then there are times that goes heart and up, or naturally we've created a resonance through raw creativity, music, dance, intimacy, etc., that activates cerebral heart space awareness. And it's a natural process. Those are where the crystalline memories 
are not actually stored. The file system is there because the rest is DNA, which is your memory, which is 80% memory. Right. Uh, and through this file tree, we can access past life memories, even, I mean, and past memories no, and future memories. You have programs coming in in your DNA that determine this I am running this body technology in a time space synchronization, what it has access to while it was planning a fetus in the womb journey that had infinite potentials. Okay. That's why in the teachings, so many of my teachings are bringing you back to the fetus of the woman, getting a familiarity with that again. That's how we can get past the file tree that's only this lifetime mm -hmm. and potentials, creativities. There are things that your lineage, your mother and father, their mother and father, ten, seven to ten generations back can bring up epigenetic memories like you're a great horse rider you're going to do wonderful and silversmithing you're a, a person that needs to go out and be out in the ocean those are in th intimate things grown inside the dna and then there are things from the previous lifetime both good bad and neutral that come as a character setup okay like okay. last lifetime i was really shitty with business this lifetime i'm going to be gifted with business but have shitty people around me Okay, or vice versa. So the karma balances the growth out. Interesting. I found this to be very, very interesting as well. Um, in the book, it says women who experience heavy menopausal symptoms are giving birth in other simultaneous realities. Now, yes, these other simultaneous realities are these uh, the simultaneous same views. No, simultaneous views that aren't always human too. They don't have to be human. Wow. See, there's a big dimensional, multi-dimensional expression that we'll begin to learn that we're simultaneously existing here and many other places too. And it's part of the greater remembering and awakening of the potency of how powerful we are. And I particularly put that in the book to challenge people exactly that because there's a time when somebody gives birth here and it's very difficult. Somebody else giving birth somewhere else is sending energy to you. Mm -hmm. on an on awareness level but as part of the infinite potential chain that's what keeps the divine feminine who's holding the egg cycle that has the has the the menstruation process versus men who don't right wow. so it bonds each and every physical woman to have a uniquely more potent protective dream world if they should follow the natural world living journey that's why many Native American indigenous cultures had dreaming societies that were run by only women. They were the dreamers. They right. were the dreaming societies. Right. Uh, and the, the patriarchal society has diminished. Overall. On purpose. On purpose. On purpose. Right. It was done on purpose. And you write about sovereignty being full responsibility for every thought, word, and deed. And we know that this is a daily practice. So does sovereignty mean the end of karmic resolution also? Not being it bound. Can, it can death? bring it to an end, especially if you're one of those people plagued with trailer trash soul family affecting you. <laughs> sovereignty <laughs> is the skunk pheromone that pushes them away. Mm. Right. Okay. Wow. It's like having that, that skunk energy where psh, they're going to run. 
because right. that energy is so opposite to their inability to grow through any situation. Mm, yes. Interesting. That kind of brings to mind, like, you know, when there's like growth, I don't know if growth is levels or if that's something we humans categorize so we can understand it, <laughs> but isn't there like an opposing effect for like that kind of tribal mob mentality to the sovereignty of the individual? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is why those indigenous cultures had to come to an end. They just didn't need to come to an end as violently as they did. There is a greater understanding. And yes, I'll collect facts. Like they did not need to go through the destruction journey that they did. That was done by the manipulators of the world who wanted to erase the oral teachers and historians. Because if we're not connected to our oral teacher, teachers and historians of the past, what are we connected to? The simulation they begin through industrialization uh, of a world. Mm -hmm. Just the hair raises on my skin. Mm -hmm. uh, now, I'm paraphrasing. This is something that you said in, in the book. It's not word for word, but to see the light, we have to walk through the darkness to realize what's been done to us. And this is evident in, in past millennia. Um, and you must see it and not attach to it. Right. You must allow it to be a flow of information that does not trigger you into anything but neutrality. So you see mm. it as an absolute big picture. As long as you're attaching to it, taking rage or anger from it, you will not see its wholeness and uniqueness of why it exists the way it does. Wow. I went through a period of depression after learning all of this. Went through some some raging anger at all these other yeah. things. Raging and, anger. And that's why a lot of unfortunate communities of conspiracy theories out there regurgitate the most stupidest of things and catch people in that rage moment. Okay? Oh. And it's done on purpose. It's a PSYOP. Right, right. Okay? But a lot of the PSYOP began and then self-fulfilled itself, and they didn't need to fund the PSYOP because it became rampant like a mind virus. Mm -hmm. Totally people see that. Were, in, yeah, in people were continuing today. to give energy to that mm -hmm. and creation to that. And as long as you're looking at darkness, what looks back at you? Darkness. darkness. And people get stuck in the vicious cycle of darkness, 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 and sovereignty is a way to break the cycle of looking at darkness. Sovereignty mm. means we look at everything equally. Mm. That's um, expanding because when I think of the word sovereignty, it's, I like I guess I have a very I um, perspective, and right? Like my I is I is important in sovereignty. Okay. <laughs> there are many humans who grow up muted by their parents. They're not allowed to talk and think what they want, and when they get out, they rebel. And that rebellious energy is ultimately the greatest self-defeating habit pattern they have in their life. Mm. And the I gets hijacked by a program. Right. That never lets go of being the rebel. Mm. Very enlightening. <laughs> yeah, I think we all need to hear this. I think we all need to hear yeah, this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, here's another quote from the book that um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around. When we have two or more present selves making choices in a free will universe, one choice contradicts the other. We cancel ourselves out at the co-creator level. So to get at the co-creator level, we have to be 
in non-competition, equal, non-hierarchical non-competition, non-hierarchical order. If one is equal co-creation, non-competition, non-hierarchical order, and non-duality, it can function in a limited form to train the other into equal co-creation, non-competition, non-hierarchical order as a way of life, an emanation. And you can live through that emanation. Just wake up each day and have that mantra, I live through equal co-creation, non-competition, non-hierarchical order, and then define what those mean to you on a regular basis, and you will make your own code that helps you understand that journey of how to cycle down out of the polarity of the world. This is all just gold, Andrew. This is gold. (laughs) I hear the neutrality in that. (laughs) The whole point is to instill self-illumination teachings in everyone. Here's Mm -hmm. the framework for self-illumination. Here's some examples. The rest is your creation. And for anyone born in the wrong timeline, does it affect timelines down and backstream? Yes. Yes. And that's why we're at the jumbled mess that we are right now. And to fix it, a lot of things had to be done to this timeline, both good, bad, evil, neutral, indifferent. Everything had to be done to fix the grand mistakes. And to fix it, there was a 30-year period where nothing could be changed. Things had to go upon the free will journey. And this is where I, I use the idea of it's a chocolate souffle in an oven. If you know anything about souffles, if you open it too early, it sinks. And we are the chocolate souffle right now. And there's multidimensional hands with knives around the oven making sure no one tries to get into the oven and change wow. something. Wow. So we're in the 30 years period right now? We're the end of it. The clock has binged. The mm-hmm. door has not been opened, metaphorically. Okay. A lot of cooks tell you as soon as it dings, you wait 30 seconds, you open the door, you let the heat come out, and then you pull it out and you put it onto a warm surface. If you put it onto a cold surface, it'll drop. So there's still more processes before everyone has their piece of the pie. Mm. So this is kind of the end game as you describe it. Yes. Between 2012 and 2054 is the end game. Oh. Uh, and what does 2054 me... look like here? I'll tell you. It's, that's for full sovereignty. Off-worlders can come and go with citizenships. Right, right. Uh, and you said at one point the inner earth will take over the court system. Is that in that time frame? So a better way to describe it is the inner earth will exert force over the surface infrastructure of domination and control, where Uh they must give up control of the courts, and temporary stewardship goes to the planet, who then will link with other celestial sources and draw in people to be new judges who are connected to celestial sources, meaning every court case has a karmic journey behind it that also needs to be resoluted in the different dimensions the crime is attached to. Mm. Oh. Wow. That's a crime deep. here can resolve a crime somewhere else. And mm-hmm. courts are no longer just 3D. They become seventh dimensional. They become multidimensional. Well, yeah, they become multidimensional, but they affect up to seven. Because that's what's being blocked. The the non-growth of our awakening here is blocking seven dimensions of beings advancing to their next level. 
This gives a whole new level of meaning towards like the energy behind an event or like something you bring to like just the amount of multi-dimensions behind it as well. Yeah. And that's what I'm about showing people the other perceptions that are out there mm -hmm. and to how to get past what I call perception deception filters, things that hide shit from us mm -hmm. until one day, Hey, that doesn't make sense. And then you see it. You see it for what it is. Um, so when the, in that time frame, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just start with this. We're here to gain completion of our soul codes. Is there a point in time where we all complete our soul codes? Individually, yes, not simultaneously as a group. And that's one of the biggest lies regurgitated through the lightworker community. It's a collective journey. We're all doing it together. Sis, boom, ba, rah, rah, rah. It's an individual journey. It has always meant to be an individual journey. And those that continue to say it's a collective journey will never understand why it's an individual journey into individual sovereignty, where we all become breakaway DNA civilizations of one with a direct relation to our celestial source who does not need monarchies or religions or anything else to define your particular growth in all the multidimensional assets that you have, which you're born with, which we don't even see as assets now. Mm hmm is that part of the, the forgetting? Yes, that you have access to a precognitive and postcognitive workforce. Mm -hmm. Ah, that's powerful. Like if you really, yes. really sit and like put that into our being, mm -hmm. a pre and postcognitive workforce. Wow. Yes, yeah. a precognitive <laughs> workforce assembles the, 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 the road ahead of you and looks to the infinite potentials that the fetus in the womb has created and what you can actually do in real reality with all of the depression equations and happiness equations included. Okay. And then it's like, well, it's your free will to choose any of these plans or to choose one that isn't planned at all. And then what does a post-cognitive workforce do? Helps you process what actually happened to fit your actual true spiritual narrative. Because there are times we'll perceive one thing wrong through fear and a year later realize it's not fear anymore. That's right. our post-cognitive processing and reviewing. And this is where a lot of people in the spiritual pro thing are constantly do, 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 process, process, but they don't break and allow yourself to percolate and think about it. Mm. And give that post-cognitive workforce a chance to influence you through dreams, through synchronicities, through the random reading of a book that gives you a new pattern to connect to. Wow. Right. I think you explained the precognitive workforce in one of your web shows once, and it was simply as before you see a doorway and before you see the door, you, you know, you're going to walk into the room. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you exit the room, as you get up, you know, you're going to exit the room. It's your precognitive and postcognitive workforces in action. Yes. And there's another way to see it. There's mm -hmm. five doors and all five have their own unique experiences. Choose and you choose you, you choose the you know you choose the left the door the farthest to the left, but you can also have the experience of all other four doors. Ooh. When you choose to make close relationships with your precognitive workforce. All right, here's another quote that uh, I read. So your your book is layered with so much depth and so multidimensional meaning. I find myself rereading paragraphs and sentences over and over and over again and i'm getting something new every time um this one i i'm i'm still trying to get wrap my head around non-agenda allows us to cut and paste 
time-based experiences out of certain I am experiences and use them temporarily in a new I am expression to manifest past or future non-agenda aspects into a present agenda. Can you expand or elaborate? So this is known as the celestial medium of peace journey. When you reach full non-agenda, meaning mm -hmm. I've understood the sacred neutral point of view, and the sacred neutral point of view can have strategies. Strategies are not agendas. Strategies are forms of awareness that help us put together pattern recognitions through precognitive workforces. So if a lifetime a thousand years ago was a high spiritual shaman lifetime, and there's a unique code of information connecting to volcanoes then, and a thousand years later you're born and you need access to that, as long as this lifetime I'm on the path to equal co-creation, non-competition, non-hierarchical order, and have mastered the, the sacred neutral point of view, I can take my non-agenda energy and strategy and reach back to the many hundreds or thousands of lifetimes and find what I need to complete a circuit so the precognitive workforce can go years into the future and plan for you. Wow. wow. Which is your inherent birthright as a human being. Right. Which they don't ever want you to know you are that powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mind blown. It's our legacy as a species to learn our multidimensional natures and legacies. Wow. That's what the remembering and awakening is about. Mm -hmm. It is both a remembering and awakening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Simultaneous awakening and remembering. That's right. In a more, to take it a little more micro, because I know that that was about like different lifetimes and dimensionality. So after this life, um, do we revisit every single experience in a life review? No. So in this life, let's say you were to have an accident and 10 years from now you, you, you pass away. And that was your actual pass away time. There can be many pass aways times and there's always one time that could have a reset and a reset. It all depends on our karmic equation. If you die in a car accident, that is a karmic process. Everything that has to do with car accidents, roads, as a karmic process, part of the greater journey, planned of the fetus in the womb. If you die of something that isn't a karmic process, let's say um, suicide, something like that, you forced a free will choice, which will then make the I am, as soon as you die and your energy of spark leaves the creation of the body, you begin to lose I amness. And it uh -huh. could take hours to months and sometimes years depending on the resistance of the I am to accept the inevitable, the body is no longer living. And with that triggers different types of past life reviews. In a suicide case, it's all the choices you could have made something different and what could have been in your outcome. Mm -hmm. But it is not a torturous process like the movies want you to think. Because it's still about bringing you and awakening you to the light so that you can cross over to the other side and finish that I am's journey and enter it into your hall of Akashic records. And you see your higher self who spawns an I am each lifetime. Mm -hmm. Mm 
and you can go and meet the many other I other other IMs of you in the North Pole Aurora Borealis. That is where our astral world functions, and that's where your last fifty generations of your IMs are. But every IM gets a new purpose after it's an IM. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just have to be here. Okay, it can go to other worlds and other places and be born into other places. As it is, if it is a quality karmic resolute in life and not destructive karmic life, it gets the ability to go and spawn itself as a lineage of IMs who will then also be a part of our higher soul, who is harvesting and creating thousands and thousands of lifetimes simultaneously existing through multiple galaxies. And that size of the being will determine how old the soul is. Wow. Kind of hammers home the whole eco-co-creation concept. It's also about populating the galaxy, which is an unlimited perception. Mm -hmm. And we must achieve our unlimited perception through our own growth. Earth is also what I call a seventh dimensional galactic seed planet. It is meant to go to the edge of space and time, to the edge of a galaxy, and wait for the galaxy to grow. There's a, It's an actual tens of billions of species across all the galaxies know this as a, a time where the galaxy just expands, and it creates new solar systems, new planets, new thises, and they're all blank Akashic record worlds waiting for light to go there. And that's why we have this multidimensional body with simultaneous existence. We are meant to go forth and seed the ever-expanding universe and galaxy with consciousness and photonic light. Out of curiosity, are there any other teachers like you? Uh, your material, I found, is so different from the light worker community or any other spiritual teacher for that matter that I gravitate towards over and over and over again. Is there anyone else that... I, I don't want to sound egotistical, but no. <laughs> <laughs> okay? I mean, people try to mimic the material mm -hmm. or try to take one little nugget of this and expand, and some can, but I put out a consistency they can't for over a decade. Mm -hmm. And I let that stand for the record. Okay, there are other people doing other material that's wonderful, and it may have some relation to some of my perspective, but is nowhere near the breadth and width of what I do. No, definitely not. But I also that. know I am training those to take over the job. Mm. Okay, whether it's physically them knowing me or them just having a show, and in five years from now they have enough of an awakening and they have a podcast called Awaken. Now what? <laughs> all right so i'm just gonna say um this is a i'm full seeding people i'm seeding people to take over the job no wonder i've been taking notes on every one of your damn podcast or web shows <laughs> i don't know if you know this andrew fun fact the the creation of our podcast is because i listened to you and jr's session and i said jr you have a great voice would you ever start a podcast and he said how about we start one <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> and at, at the end, uh, we had two sessions. At the end of those sessions, you said uh, I should create digital content about my awakening journey. Here we go. Mm -hmm. This is it. Yep. This is it in motion. This is it in action. So thank you both, actually. So now I'm watching, now I'm watching the flower grow. 
Okay, let's go share some water. <laughs> it's crazy the like the amount of people that we've gotten for season three. It is amazing. It's amazing, Andrew. Um, cool. It's it's evolving and it's it's going to continue to grow um, exponentially. So back to Earth. Okay. Earth was teleported to the other galaxy. What was that other galaxy? You, it so you're other referring was, to the galactic. You referred to the galactic history series where Earth wasn't in this universe for two million years. Right. So it's not another galaxy. It was transferred to another universe. Earth was wounded as a planet, as a celestial being. And another universal source said, no more, and plucked it out of time and space and historical memory and forced a great forgetting that affected, we'll just say, 10,000 galaxies who were using negative time travel. And when you pluck out something that's using negative time travel from the cycle of negative time travel, you have... Let's just say apocalyptic events in forgetting, where waves of forgetting spread mm -hmm. and as if it never happened. And when Earth was put back in, it triggered a remembering that sent mm -hmm. out waves. And it was done on purpose so they could clear up some of the toxic waste of time travel pollution. Wow. It gave celestial sources the chance to clean up negative time travel pollution that was affecting every aspect of soul commerce. Right. Right. And that and became the found that became the foundation of what we're at now, the Galactic Ascension Machine, because mm -hmm. it's now attracting and the sixty-six main planets creating the main negative time travel pollution were all put into one solar system that they grew from the ground up. And when you talk Which about this where we are at now. right, right, where we are, where we're at right now. But when you talk about this process, this is what wiped the Earth's hard drive clean and and, and erased it. No, everyone else's. No, everyone, everyone else's. Earth had no surface living beings on it. It was only a celestial source that had the scars left on it. All DNA from this planet was teleported to other places. Hmm. Yes. Because the, the the planet of the soul of Earth itself had to go through its dark night of the soul. Mm -hmm. Okay, that would have been about twenty two million years ago. Has the Earth fully recovered from this, or is she it still, still got a limp? She still got a limp, <laughs> but she can wear bathing suits. Okay, <laughs> she may have a limp, but no scars. Okay, <laughs> that's great. She doesn't need a cane, you know. She's not no walker. <clears throat> She's fine. She just yeah. needed to go through the dark night of the soul, which is, all right, I'm going to be the center of this time travel pollution, and I'm going to need to cycle through some extremely powerful souls from many different universes to make this work mm -hmm. and put out the call for volunteers to be in the Galactic Ascension Machine to attract mm -hmm. the worst violators of time travel pollution to come back here and resolve it if not hire posses to go out and search for the greatest time travel violators i feel like i'm still processing that yeah yeah me too <laughs> i'm using i'm using the western i'm using the western theme so you understand 
conscious beings of awareness at higher dimensions when they know they do something wrong and they're purposely hiding from it is creating mm -hmm. even more pollution. And right. celestial sources can track that pollution. Okay? And then they learn how to cover it up and cover it up. And then you need to spawn beings who can, like bloodhounds, search this stuff out in 3D space-time. By hiding uh -huh. in 3D space-time, it's very hard to discover where they are. Mm -hmm. Okay? So special beings, known as bloodhounds or dragons, were created to hunt those worst offenders. And they were given writs of notice by thousands of sons who had solar-based high-unity beings in them, giving a writ of authority to remove them from another reality through spiritual courts of equity. Right. Mm. And, and at one point, you, you did mention that the spiritual courts of equity were hijacked at one point, but now they're not due to karmic resolution. So they were inevitably going to be hijacked as part of the process of degradation here to reaching the bottom. And then once again, humans' natural sovereignty programs kicked in and they hijacked it back. But it uh, was a necessity to go – like um, are you familiar with the, um, the Indian cycles, the Kali Yuga? You go high and then you go low. To hit rock bottom, that had to happen. Wow. But at rock bottom guarantees a peak up. Mm. Right. And right. the system that was here was trying to slow down the fall to rock bottom oh. to extend their capacity. So as it rises, they can slow the rise too. Mm -hmm. That's why we have a highly constructed global narrative that does not allow free thinking and enforces mediocrity. Mm. You just mentioned the dragon lineages and you have a chapter on Bruce Lee and his, yeah, and his, um, his being a dragon. Would you please share more about that? So that came from my dragons webinars I did back in 2014, 2015, 2017. And he is, well, I talked about many different dragon beings, Genghis Khan, um, Bruce Lee, but Bruce Lee, as a soul, had a dragon inside him on purpose. Right. And dragon souls, the best way to describe it, they have a charisma that affects people at the DNA level. Think about it in the 50s and 60s when Elvis came out and he just shook his hip one direction and the woman fell. Women would fall to the ground. That's the metaphor of the strength that this being has over anyone perceiving them in that type of performance, any type of performance be it true physical battle, music whatsoever. And he was there to inspire generations to, con <clears throat> to connect to a China that was going through a cultural defamation, not a cultural right. awakening, okay? Right. Which ultimately saved East and West. It gave them something to talk about and not murder each other about. <laughs> okay? Look how martial arts of all kinds just spread through the world because of that. Because of him, yeah. Because of him. Yeah. Wow. Uh, and you said that his exit, his soul's exit, tore a hole in the Archon grid, which then yes. Uh, yes. resulted in a direct path of incarnation for dragon lineages. Yes. How, which how means many more dragon... and more and more. 
How many are there? About 600. 600. But that could be spread into... If you water it down and water it down and water it down, there could be, you know, 600 million dragons that have enough strength to reach that potential. If mm -hmm. they were to get into an actual daily practice that has repetition at its basis and spiritual hygiene as its main goal with learning to spiritually journey as a secondary thing you do as you're mastering spiritual hygiene in a world that's unnatural. You have to master your own spiritual hygiene and do ceremony and ritual on yourself to clear your environment so that you can build up the energy it actually takes to journey and travel to other dimensions, time streams, galaxies, your universes, and explore the wonders that are out there in a safe format. We just and have those to types of dragons Master. will learn that, but right now this world enforces mediocrity and everyone expects it to be given to them. And it's hard work to commit yourself. Commitment, courage, and discipline are not mystical, but they are the foundations of getting to the mystical. Self-mastery, like you always say. Self-healing, mm. self-nurturing equals self-mastery. So it's you. It's written in the book that the prime creator made mistakes, allowed ingredients into the recipe that changed the flavor of creation. Was the creator aware of potential outcomes? Not of all of them. No. In a, in a world, in a universe of infinite potentials, mistakes are a potential. <laughs> okay. And there's more than one prime creator. Right. Right. There's not just one, and we're mm -hmm. all one. There are many ones and many mm -hmm. individual ones. And our mm -hmm. our creator has it as ancestors that help create it too. I love that. Yeah, we always forget about like that meta or even the micro. Like it really is just we like our brain, our three D brain cannot fathom that meta amount. It can though. It can. Oh. You're doing it right now. You're doing it right now. Okay. <laughs> it just took a pause. It just took a pause for you and for your your processor to catch up to it. <laughs> so, so that, really that's why is... la that's why language is so important. What I call mm -hmm. the colloquial now. Mm -hmm. Fifty years ago, if we were teleported back in time, fifty years ago, we could pretty much understand the language. If we went back to the 1920s, we could barely understand anyone. Oh. The references, the cultural references that they would make, you know, there weren't movie quotes to follow by. The millennials would never be able to to ever talk to anybody from the 20s because it's all movie quotes. OK, <laughs> Disney didn't just barely just began. So the colloquial now is the common language we all understand as reference. Football. Mm. Is it a round ball or an oblong ball? That's all you got to know. Okay, <laughs> Baseball or cricket is a flat bat or straight bat. Okay. <laughs> okay. So those things help people understand, you know, because all those become cultural references, and then the different ways cultures seed one in another and and uh, appropriate different activities. Why do so many Americans have Chinese tattoos? Mm. <laughs> because it's in their DNA. It means it's something in their to DNA. them. Mm -hmm. It's in their DNA. It helps trigger and awaken them. Wow. How many Chinese do you see with American tattoos? A lot. 
<laughs> there you go. <laughs> she raised her. <laughs> okay. Uh, I want to shift it to a conversation on the 15 beings. Um, these beings were responsible for most of this shit show um, as they lured most off-worlders to come here. Um, we are essentially... Yeah, let's slow that. We'll, we'll slow that down a second. Okay. They were a necessary tool that was contracted to do that even before the Galactic Ascension Machine was created. Wow. And that contract says, I need you to be as bad as you can, hit as bad as the bone, uh -huh. and go even further and test your limits of how bad you could be. What? Yes. That was what was needed to clear up the totality of karmic pollution and time travel pollution that was created by beings getting access to technology they should have never had in the first place. Right. It's like giving your kid a gun and they go to school and kill 10 people and the next day they do it again and again and again and again and again. And we are connected as soul family with these founders. Not everyone. Not everyone. Not everyone. Okay. They at one point were 40% of the DNA population here. Ooh. Right. But wow. they got competition. This is the most highly competitional spot in the universe, even though it's a non-competitional planet. The greatest <laughs> competitional beings came here and are competing, both good, bad, and neutral. Competing for what? The surface farm. It's where the greatest and most powerful and ancient souls come to live to be a part of the Great Awakening. We awaken on our surface timeline first, and then the subsurface timeline is forced to go through a letting go and a de-remembering. And then the mm -hmm. surface, the astral world, prepares for its new generation of taking over on service. And another group of souls in a wave of energy from other places, spaces, and times take over the astral world cities that were created for them. They say there's 7 billion, 500 million human beings in this world. I actually believe it's closer to 15. And if you were to count the surface world, actual conscious beings of awareness like you, I'd say it's closer to 25 billion living beings on this world. And they don't want you to know that on purpose. Right. We're and overpopulated, this, as they say. No, we're not. This world could handle 5 trillion living beings mm -hmm. without a problem. Right. Whew. Man. Again, to the power of, yeah, to the mediocrity that is being in presented in the global narrative when there is so much more power. <laughs> yes, exactly. Keep you dumbed down. Mm -hmm. So much good stuff. Like, where do we go? Yeah. <laughs> um, Anywhere you want. It's fun doing this. <laughs> for beings ejected from the game, do they reside in a void space? It depends on the red card, using football terminology. Okay? <laughs> mm -hmm. So it depends on the violation. Mm. So there was a rule put into our world about two, three and a half million years ago that basically said, if you're an ascended master and have reached that at the higher soul level, you can't influence this place in physicality anymore. Many of them broke that rule mm. and were ejected from this game, but without prejudice. Their legacy could live here, but they couldn't incarnate anymore. And this mm -hmm. is why we have so many impersonators of St. Germain, Gaia Sophia. Right. That because that that's why we have so many. I can't tell you how many St. Germains or Jesuses that I meet in a single year. 
or Sophia's 50 Archangel each. Michael. Oh, God, I've met thousands of Michaels. <laughs> and you talked about, you brought this up, um, and you're the only one that talks about this in depth, is Service to Self Ascension uh, that was created for the 15. Mm -hmm. uh, how is this process achieved for them? Well, it had never been done before, and it was only a theory. They were given the, 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 the task of be as bad as you can be. And at the end, can you transmute and transform it into something else? Which was ultimately the biggest skill, which is, can you prove service to self-ascension can both be positive, negative, and neutral to all existing beings? Wow. And many of them did it, but then began to understand it was not what they wanted and backtracked on it out of free will because the responsibility of that next level required inherent humility skills. They didn't have. I feel that one in my DNA. Right. <laughs> so they, they, they learned that process and then they're like, Nope, I don't want it. Correct. And then taught others how to do it because <laughs> that was the other part of the contract. There are those that service to self-ascension, which is not pure selfishness, which is not narcissism, is something that is taught in religion. Mm. Buddha. Mm -hmm. Okay? There's others that do the same thing. It's where the individual growth of consciousness interconnects and blends with all there is, was, or ever will be. And they learn how to function as part of is, was, and ever will be. Which is a completely different experience than living here in this 3D realm. Mm -hmm. And in the universe of infinite potentials, that is a potential for them. Mm -hmm. They generally become free-roaming galactic citizens. Going from universal mystery to universal mystery to universal mystery like a intergalactic or inter-universal inter Indiana Jones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> on, on that note, how do we achieve that kind of celestial medium journey? So in my course, Living the Mystical Life Daily, it's all about entering the peacekeeper and peacemaker. And they, when you begin to evolve peacekeeping and peacemaking in your life and you make it as part of your emanation journey, celestial medium is the next inevitable journey. That's how to collect, connect directly to this planet as a source, and you learn the one million letter celestial alphabet. Right. Now, our dragons, every and every human being born in this world has a metaphorical dragon. You can call it whatever it is. It's a chimeric being whose purpose is during each and every lifetime, they're bonded to a lineage so that if somebody, somebody enters the neutral state and grows with the natural world, they have an opportunity of having a grammar teacher at the one million letter celestial alphabet. And the journey of celestial mediumship is to embrace that one million letter alphabet to be a live translator of it. That's what I do. Live translation of a one million letter alphabet into this 26 letter. Do I miss lots of parts? Sure. But I can only speak in the colloquial now. That which the living now understand. Mm. Uh, now that I have you here firsthand, I actually have Living the Mystical Life Daily. 
Uh, I've been putting it off because I, I don't think I was ready for it just yet. But mm -hmm. the um, the process is, is it 90 minutes a day of, of every day saying these revocations out loud and then. Okay, so first thing first, I give my effort scale. C plus effort is 15 minutes right. a day, five days a week. B plus effort is 30 minutes a day, five days a week. A plus effort is 90 minutes a day, six days a week. Mm -hmm. Your effort has to be put on a calendar. So let's mm -hmm. say Monday, Wednesday, Friday, you're going to try to do whatever. At the end of each thing, you have to write on your calendar what you actually did. So that you average your score monthly to yearly. That's where you get mm -hmm. to understand what you are really doing and manifesting as change in your life. Okay, when you see it on your calendar, I call I call it calendar magic. Okay, I look back on my calendar. Holy crap! I I had all these things that I did, and then I look to the future calendar. I'm generally planned six weeks ahead of time, no matter what I do. Mm -hmm. But there are often times I've been planned six months ahead of time, and I don't want that to happen anymore. So I keep my calendar six weeks, but I also have my spiritual practices on there that remind me, hey, dummy, do them, live, do do, do what you teach, preach what you do. Mm -hmm. Okay? And then I, I say, hey, this was D minus effort. I was just awful at it. I have to make that time up out of my own commitment to it. Mm. And sticking with just the C plus effort can get you out of some of the most hairy, personal, shitty life points that you're in, even the dark night of the soul. Mm. 15 minutes a day, five days a week will absolutely change your quality of life and help you erect a stairway out of your despair. I'm going to get on that. <laughs> okay. And for those that aren't in despair, what's it going to do? Just let's say you go to the B plus effort. It's going to give you more energy each and every day to be creative. And you just have to strategize what you're going to do with this creative flow. That's its base function. The more you go into spiritual hygiene and understand the nature of your environment and how energy can densify at a particular place, like I say, the, the, you should do your four corners of your bedroom, right. and the, uh, of your bed and the four corners of your room. That's minimal. That's basic spiritual hygiene. Right. The next is your bathroom and your vehicle, mm -hmm. your kitchen. Mm -hmm. And so can you sage out your whole house? Great. But you only really need to do it once or twice a month unless you have a household that has big foot traffic going through it or kids there. Mm -hmm. You have to see the emanations that you're putting off. And there are times we may be really mad and angry. And our environment absorbs that. And then there are times we're really happy, but we have a roommate who's completely opposite of us. Therefore, we have to neutralize the energy so growth can happen. Right. So it has the room to grow. That. Can you expand on the kids? Why kids in an environment require more clearing? Because they don't know what they're doing. All of a sudden they go, I want to win at this video game. and I'll do anything to win at this video game. And poof. Something that's there that's not supposed to be. Ooh. Also, community schools, high schools are some of the most haunted places in the world. You have abused children next to completely normal people, next to super rich, entitled people. Yeah. And it was never meant to be that way. Right. Ever meant to be that way. Education was never meant to be in mass colleges like that. It should be six and nine, nine, teacher, nine, nine kids per room per teacher. And that's how important teachers should be through growth and journey. Mm -hmm. Wow. So why kids? 
because they just get themselves into trouble and they don't know what they're doing or they're watching YouTube that's giving them information that they can't process and it haunts their dreams. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Clearing out their toys on a regular basis. Okay? I, I tell the parents, just right. put them all in a big pile, get right. your sage stick, do your revocations over them. You know, mm -hmm. if they're toys that need to be washed, you wash the toys, okay? And you cleanse the energy and give them something fresh to start on for playing every time. Mm -hmm. wow. Their memories will re-empower the toy for the goodness. Yeah. That's amazing. We have a few more questions left about the yellow box technology and the event. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and take uh, the yellow box technology. The yellow box technology is founder technology, correct? And this technology can predict, predict the future. Past, present, and future simultaneously. It's a way for the original founders to go into the totality of human DNA and tune into a time-space location and determine its growth so that they might change the speed of growth faster or slower to allow more souls to come in. Humanity has no idea how to use it. <laughs> right. It's a box that's yellow that tells them potential futures. Okay. Now finish your question. I'm sorry to interrupt you that way. No, no, no. That was it. That was it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I was going to ask you how to what the mechanics are of how it can uh, predict the future, and you, you went right into it. So yeah. that was it. See, there's a little more to add. Now, I knew about the yellow boxes before they were ever publicly mentioned, but the vast majority of the public mentions have been completely wiped from the internet and physical documents. And there's only a handful of people that actually know, know about it. And when I put it in the book, I knew this. I knew it had been wiped out of the world. Hmm. Okay? And what does that mean? That means I'm a living, breathing uh, Mandela effect. <sighs> As is those that are currently living now. And part of the Mandela effect is when you consciously are aware of it, you can induce other Mandela effects around you, which mm -hmm. is the nature of a lot of the material I present as a way to remember through the forgetting. Ooh, man, remember through the forgetting. Yep. Wow. That's just powerful. It's in your DNA. You've just lost the file tree. That's it. Mm -hmm. You just need access to the file tree, which is right between your heart and your tongue. Okay. Ah. <laughs> That space between there is the file tree. So the event is described as the prime creator's audit of our entire universe and the rebalancing of equity. This will allow a graduating class that creates free-willed people who incarnate back to earth and teach. Are they incarnating as we speak? So you must include the audit. Mm. The audit was something that was done in 2014 which measured, measured the entire karmic and dharmic journey of every being in the entire galactic ascension machine, and it saw how cooked the books were. Mm -hmm. There was nothing to hide. You couldn't put off your karma to a million years in the future anymore because that's the main violation that's been done here. Negative oligarchs created a, a now karma, and because they understood how to manipulate the universal rules, they put it on future generations of incarnators into a debt-based system. Okay? On purpose. That can't be done anymore. Every aspect of the of the cooked books was reiterating. It's like going back to Sam Brakeman Freed's crypto and figuring out where all the money was. They figured out where all the money was, who's supposed to get it, and created a system for it to go back to who was originally created, that who cre originally created it. That actually is the awakening, the event. And that happened in 2014. 
we all have ever-present access to that event. It's just waiting for us, who accept past, present, and future, to look for a standing point in space-time in which Prime Creator said, here is a doorway to awareness to achieve your universal balance so you have the keys to your graduation. <laughs> That's so crazy, because my... I would say biggest spiritual awakening like started there, like 2014. So it's like that energy, I responded to it. <laughs> a lot of people did. And, yeah. I, and I make I kind of make fun. You you missed the event. But it's an <laughs> ever-present time event that's simply waiting for us to go back as spiritual journeyers and experience it. And when you've now. earned right, and when you've earned and learned the rights and responsibilities to your own awareness which are vital to access the portal of what happened in 2014. Your level of awareness is equal to your responsibility and your level of responsibility is equal to your level of awareness. And when we take on information that is stronger than our responsibility or stronger than our awareness, we become imbalanced. And unfortunately, right. a lot of lightworker communities are stuck in different patterns of that imbalance and mm. can't accept you have to be who you are today and now. And you mm. cannot take on things that you were not meant to take on a year from now. You right. must go through the journey of learning your responsibility of acting in the now as boots on the ground for trillions of other spirits who are waiting for us to make free will choices to change this place. That responsibility and awareness um, piece was my favorite part in the book because it just, it's, I don't know, like such a tenant of how we do, how we show up in, as spiritual guides. Yeah. Yeah. It helps people define the journey and the mm -hmm. teeter-totter of the disaffect, the, the disaffection that can happen to you. If you're all about this awareness, but you don't have the responsibility to how to enact it in the world. Like I had to learn a lot about spirit in business. And I had to understand mm -hmm. the galactic historian is a business of spirit. And the spirit of business is my business. They're one in the same. So I absolutely had to understand what podcast model was even before it was a podcast. Right. I had to understand technology, this and that. Shit I never knew growing up. Okay. <laughs> right. I was in construction and limo, born into restaurants. Okay. <laughs> I had to figure uh, it all out and put my brain and wrap it around there and make myself a good business person in this world. Like if you're not a good business person, you're going to go nowhere. Right. And so many of the, the, private sessions or the public conversations that I have are with light workers who are full on balls to the walls into their spiritual journey, but have zero interest in doing the business and want mm. to know why they fail every time they start because it's imbalanced. Mm. You have all this awareness, but no practical application to it. Right. And without practical application, you've shot yourself in the foot. Mediocrity has won again. Mm. There it is again. So uh, you, this is the solution that you so beautifully put in the book. Choose to step out of the hologram and focus on your bubble of reality and dream time. And I thought that was so eloquently developed by you. Um, that is the solution, just to focus on our bubble of reality. And understand that the dreaming world will influence us through precognitive and postcognitive workforces of what to do here. What is the legacy we want to leave for a future me who will be incarnated and going through the great forgetting, 
because this is the greater strategy of multidimensional awareness, there'll be another me who forgets all of this. What can I do to trigger him? <laughs> what can I put out there that can not just trigger him, but thousands of others? Right. What legacy can I leave to the world that said I did something good here? Hmm. You're making it fun, Andrew. <laughs> That's the whole point. The, yes. the, the, the monks in the mountain must leave their caves and their castles and open brick and mortar buildings in the concrete jungles and say open for business. And it will be a hard journey for the monks in the mountains and castles to be open for business because they don't know business. And we need people like you creating podcasts to keep (laughs) this movement going to get the next monk out of the mountain. Amazing words from the galactic historian, Andrew Bartzis. We have reached the now what portion of the episode. Andrew, this has been an enlightening conversation. What last pieces of advice do you have for the listeners to further illuminate this discussion and their awakening? One of the biggest things light workers fall victim to is other light workers. Don't declare yourself a light worker anymore because you put yourself in with all the shitty light workers that are out there. Become a recovering light worker and understand you are always creating light and that your personal, spiritual, and hygiene is your light work. There's L I G H T, and then there's L I T E, like light as a diet light. And then there's the real heavy work, which is looking at one's traumas. This is a trauma induced world. But then there are times we must learn practices that are not about looking at the traumas, but looking at the victories. For every trauma-based healing you do, make a journey of seeing your victories. The greatest things that were the best memories of your life so that you are balancing trauma-based healing with enthusiastic effort-based healing into the positive memories. The other thing is so many people who want to come into a daily practice and they go for a month, but they lose it out. You have to find commitment, courage, and discipline, none of which are mystical, but are all the foundations to the mystical. Repetition does create illumination. But repetition with no plan, it's just the no plan plan. And unfortunately, a lot of people follow the no plan plan in which their their negative rebel takes over and takes them from shiny object to shiny object to shiny object, and they're stuck in curiosity learning and never able to fully apply themselves and do true learning. Curiosity learning is one of the most detrimental things to a person's growth in this space-time equation now. Hear those words. Curiosity learning is the most detrimental thing to your growth now. Because so many are caught in mediocrity and are unaware to create a spiritual strategy and plan with the daily practices that they do. The daily practices that you do today should always be journaled and chronicled on so that you can look back at them and watch your growth. And then inevitably, you're going to have a foresight day where you're going to write into your journal, where am I going to be in a week from now, a month from now, and a year from now? And after doing this enough times, 
you will see the your future because you've created it out of mastering your own life force. Hmm. That is the spiritual journey. Get out of your curiosity learning. Put true effort behind what you do. And understand enthusiastic effort in one, in one spiritual practice is worth a thousand spiritual practices that have no effort behind them. The last thing is so many spiritual people are so far up the ass of spirituality that it's coming out their mouth and they have no entertainment, no sense of humor, are so static and serious that they become Karens and trolls. <laughs> you must have entertainment in your life that isn't spiritual. Right. On my shows, I get I ask this all the time of people, what do you do for fun? And most of them have no answer. They've I, taken it out of their life and replaced it all with spirituality. You do need a day of break. You do need hobbies. And you do need things that regenerate your journey to be you. Give it up for Andrew Bartzes. Thank you. So good. So good. And Andrew, where can the listeners find you? They can go to my website, andrewbartzis.com. You can also find me on Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, Twitch. Yeah, Facebook, Rumble, Twitch. And uh, every Thursday at 2 o'clock Eastern time, I have a radio show with the Two Feathers Medicine. And then every other Friday, I have a comedy show on at 8 o'clock Eastern. And we are now starting an entertainment channel with that, along with what I just said, to give spiritually minded people who are looking for spiritual entertainment a way to see entertainment in a different form. That is amazing. I'll make sure to put all that info in the show notes. Thank you so much, Andrew. This has been so, so enlightening, so illuminating, so fun. We loved every minute of it. I'd love to do it again with you guys. Yeah. Uh, for your next book, we'll, we'll reach out again. All right. Awesome. <laughs> if you like this episode, please subscribe. I'm JR. And I'm Helen. Till next time, everyone. Woo, see you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.